1: Now, here is Dr. Paula.
2: Welcome to Uplift Your Life. Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful you're joining me today. I want to begin by reminding you that you are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. You are listening from 101 regions around the world. That's because you're spreading the word. Thank you for listening and for continuing to tell your friends, relatives, and colleagues. And a special note of gratitude goes this week to our listeners around the world in Germany, Vietnam, and the United Kingdom, and in the states of Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Indiana. Welcome and thank you for your continuing support. Last week, we had a great conversation with Nisha Buis, looking at weight from a new perspective. The old ideas about counting calories and one diet and one exercise program is right for everyone are just wrong. What is in your thoughts and your emotions are far more important because that's what determines what you put in your mouth and whether you exercise. Stress management, self-care, self-respect, knowing that you deserve to take care of yourself and getting to know your body, your likes and dislikes and how you feel are critical for reaching and maintaining the weight that is right for you. I even received an email thanking me for taking such a different and helpful perspective on an overworked topic that usually results in promoting the latest fad diet. If you missed last week's show or any of our previous ones, go to my website, paulajoyce.com and listen on demand Just like our need for perfectionism and for control can cause us to not eat and exercise in a healthy fashion, it can cause us to become addicted to alcohol or other substances. Rabbi Paul Steinberg chose a courageous path of coming clean about his addictions in order to truly be free of the hold they had on him. We will hear his inspirational story later in the show, as well as information about the unique treatment center where he works as a spiritual counselor and educator choosing to be positive choosing to think see feel and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of uplift your life nourishment of the spirit we all have choices but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are This show provides you with new information on health and healing with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, and positivity as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go. We open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger and healthier, feel lighter and have more energy. We truly know and feel the joy, beauty and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like Rabbi Paul Steinberg. If you have a question for him or are trying to figure out how to find the silver lining in a difficult situation or how to rid yourself of persistent negative thoughts or have a personal story to share, please call during the show to 1 472 5795 or email now or between shows. To drpolajoyce at gmail.com. And the phone number between shows is 1214-736-4460. Be sure to get a pencil and paper now because you're going to need it later in the show for our question of the day. If you want extra help in learning how to find the silver lining, you can call me for a private session or attend my new workshop entitled Finding the Silver Lining. I spend a lot of time on this show talking about how I find the blessings in my own challenging life experiences. It has taken me years to learn how to do this and to do it consistently. I'll be sharing techniques with you that will help you see your life from a positive perspective. As we say at the beginning of every show, the best or worst place to live is in your own mind. In this workshop, you will learn how to weed out the negativity and to be grateful and positive in the way you speak, think, and feel, resulting in your ever-increasing happiness. I will give you tools to align and integrate the information in the right and left sides of your brain. You will release the limiting patterns and hidden barriers that prevent you from seeing the positive in your life and being grateful for it. For just $35, you can join us on Saturday, May 30th at the Dallas Yoga Center from 2 to 4 p.m. This week, one of my clients asked me if it was hard for me to be public about some of the topics that I discuss on the show. I answered her truthfully that initially it was... Even choosing to be on the spiritual channel was not a simplistic decision for me. I forced myself to be public about many things in my personal and professional life that I had previously kept to myself or shared with only one or two close friends. How people might judge me was a huge problem for me at the beginning stages of this show. Gradually, I got more and more comfortable with being me and made a conscious choice to be public about my personal beliefs and experiences in order to help others. By being open about my own life and by bringing on guests who have their own inspirational stories, I want you to know that there is always hope and that the true meaning of success is allowing your true self to emerge. As we remove the false mask that we think we need to wear in order to be loved, we discover that being ourselves will bring us more love than we could ever have imagined. In fact, I got such a gift of love from my children for Mother's Day. It's a bracelet that shows me that they know and appreciate who I am. I truly couldn't have asked for a better gift. It has a black circle filled with mud from the Dead Sea in Israel, the lowest point on earth, and opposite is a white circle filled with water from Mount Everest, which is the highest point on earth. The symbolic meaning is that when you are at your lowest points, there is always hope. And when you are at your highest, be humble. The clear beads connecting the highs and lows in life represent my personal journey. This gift told me that my children know who I am and that they value me for who I am. That means everything to me. And every time I look down at it, I feel their love. So yes, being upfront about who I am and what I believe was initially difficult because I had often been ridiculed for those beliefs. Has it been worth it? Absolutely. And about the people who don't get me or who choose to make fun of me or my beliefs, It's truly okay. I've learned that it just doesn't matter, that being true to myself is what does matter. And the more I'm willing and able to do that, the more I find myself in the company of people who I resonate with and vice versa, like our guest today. I was amazed to discover how similar our belief systems are by the end of our first conversation to determine if he would be on the show, we were almost finishing each other's sentences. In an article I read about him, he used the same exact words that I have written in talking about abuse and the fear of not being good enough, smart enough, or attractive enough. And we both understand the importance of spiritual healing in recovering from addiction. In fact, we joked that maybe it was a similarity of our first names, Paul and Paula, whatever it is, having the joy of connecting to like-minded people is one of the true blessings of this show. As I was thinking about what I was going to say in this portion of the show, I realized that the universe had already planned it for me, as is so often the case. Here's my story of release from perfectionism and the silver linings within challenges. When I wrote the promotional material for this show, I composed an email to my assistant executive director, attached the appropriate file, and sent it to her on Thursday, as I usually do, or so I thought. It wasn't until Saturday that I realized that I haven't received that I hadn't received an email from Voice America confirming that they had gotten the submissions for the e-card and the press release. Since this was unusual, I contacted Caroline to make sure that she had submitted it. Her response was that she had not received anything from me. That meant that we were two days behind our normal schedule. I noticed how I responded to this situation, both emotionally and in the actions I took. And it was totally different than my old pattern. If perfection is a disease, I was finally cured. I noticed that I didn't get upset, angry, or accusatory. The world was not about to end or to get me which was the way I used to feel and respond. Instead, I just asked Caroline to take care of it as soon as she could and to tell our executive producer, Winston, that we had had a failed communication and to ask if he could help us out by speeding the promotional material through the process. I then checked my sent emails and discovered that I had never sent the email. It wasn't in my drafts folder either. I know I wrote it because I have a a visual memory and an actual memory of the written email and the words I wrote. Somehow the email had vanished. Much stranger things have happened to me when the universe is teaching me or testing me or showing me how much I've grown. When these kinds of things happen, I've learned to ask questions like, what did I learn and did I do better this time than the last time? What I learned is that I now respond with appropriate action without all of the drama and emotional harm to myself or others. I learned again that Caroline and Winston and the whole Voice America team have my back and are and are willing to go the extra mile when we're in a pinch. This feeling and reality of being supported with a competent team is relatively new to me. And I felt that deep gratitude again for their support without question or criticism. And instead of the usual two day turnaround, the promotional material was done within hours. That was much more than I had hoped for or expected. That kind of help frees me to use my energy to focus on my guests and my listeners and delivering the best show that I can every week. My healing path has helped me change my life and my own awakening workshop will help you change your life. I'm the first teacher initiate and am grateful to be chosen to offer this workshop to you. Om is the sound of creation. It vibrates at the highest levels. This process will bring you into alignment with the positive, loving, and enlightening vibration of the universe. This experience opens new channels within your body, connects you more closely with the divine energy, raises your vibration, increases your awareness of the divine, heals your body, helps you see through the eyes of your limitless higher self, releases fears, brings more light, love, health, and usefulness into your body will be at the Dallas Meditation Center in Richardson, Texas on Saturday, June 6th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. at the low cost of $35. And now I want to introduce our guest to you. Rabbi Paul Steinberg is an educator and spiritual counselor at Bet Teshuvah, in Los Angeles, an acclaimed residential addiction treatment center and synagogue community. Formerly a day school director and synagogue rabbi, he is the author of five books. His most recent book is Recovery, The Twelve Steps and Jewish Spirituality, Reclaiming Hope, Courage, and Wholeness which provides the first comprehensive approach to integrating Jewish spirituality with the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. During our break, go to paulajoyce.com. First click on register now to read about and register for my workshops. Om Awakening, and Finding the Silver Lining. Then click on Calendar of Events to see your question for today. Before the second break and at the end of the show, I'll give you something else to do with your question. When you email me, you will have an opportunity for me to to read your email on the show. So right now, go to PaulaJoyce.com, go to my Calendar of Events page, Answer the question of the day on your own paper and register for my workshops. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Rabbi Paul Steinberg, who will talk with us about his personal journey of healing from addiction and the amazing nonprofit treatment center where he helps others recover and heal from addiction.
0: Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too, while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. called Dr. Paula, the life doctor, today at 214 208 3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a one of a kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems
1: You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit.
2: If you're just tuning in, welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you thought about what habits or addictions are hurting you or others. I'm so grateful today to have Rabbi Paul Steinberg on the show with us to talk about his personal experience and the wonderful nonprofit treatment center that he works at. Welcome, Paul.
3: Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be on with you.
2: Thank you. Uh, I was wondering if you'd begin with your personal story.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the best place to start my personal story is, um, is when I was in college. I had sort of a mid, what I refer to as a mid-college crisis. Um, <laughs> I was looking at um, why go to school, um, sort of an existential crisis. For what? In order to get good grades, in order to get a job in order to make money. <clears throat> and it occurred to me that a lot of people did all those things and they got money, they got a job, they got everything that one could wish for, but they were still miserable. And rather than a mid-college crisis, they called that a midlife crisis. And I said to myself, well, at the end, everybody sort of morbid, but everybody just dies. What is the point of this life? I feel like, I'm just having to endure through it, and I dropped out of school, and I did a bunch of odd jobs, and during that time, I began to discover that I cared, that I really cared about people, I cared about my life, I didn't know what made me care, but I knew that I cared and that there was some sort of meaning, and I wanted to dedicate my life to caring and meaning. And I decided that I wanted to become a teacher. So I finished college. I went to graduate school in education. And while I was in graduate school for education, I met a rabbi, uh, a philosophy professor, who said, well, you should become a rabbi. A rabbi, after all, is a teacher. And you'll be of service in helping people. And I'd never thought of becoming a rabbi. I, I didn't even know exactly what a rabbi was or did, but I went for it. <clears throat> I followed this professor's advice, but I found that when I was in rabbinical school, I didn't feel quite the same as my classmates. I, some of them had decided to become a rabbi very early. They grew up in typical you know, Jewish households where they went to youth group and summer camp, and and I didn't do all those things. I was an athlete in high school, and I went to parties on weekends, and I got in trouble, and... <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt different, um, and, and I thought, I'm not the same as them, I'm, uh, you know, uh, but even though I don't have the advantages of their upbringing, I can outwork them. I, I know how to compete. Like I said, I was an athlete. I can outwork them, and I did. I worked really hard, and I've got a really good education because of it, but I lived with this sort of fraud complex. I mean, a rabbi is supposed to sort of embody all the principles of the Jewish tradition to its best, to its highest moral standards. And that was a deep burden for me. And so when I finished rabbinical school, I said, I definitely, the only thing I will not do is go into a big suburban pulpit and stand in front of thousands of people on the high holidays. That just isn't me. I'll feel too much like a fraud I can't bear the weight of that. Um, I feel like I have to be perfect. So I was an educator. I went to a day school. But when I went to the day school, I started to do good things, and I wrote books and started to get some attention nationally. You know, Jews know each other around the country, especially in rabbis. It's a smaller group even. People started calling me and offer me jobs. We want a rabbi educator like you. And... One job came up here in Los Angeles, where I am now, and it was a big suburban pulpit. And I sort of rationalized it. I was flattered. And I said, well, I'll move to Los Angeles. It's it's nicer than where I was and be closer to family. And lo and behold, I ended up exactly in the place that I swore that I wouldn't, in a large suburban pulpit talking to thousands of people on my (laughs) holiday. And... I began to feel that sense of fraudulence, impostorship, perfectionism, and I started working really hard again, <clears throat> writing articles, working in the school. I was serving on boards. I went back for my doctorate. I, was, I, was a prof- I became a professor on the side in the Graduate School of Education, and basically what you're hearing is that I became uh, an insane workaholic. And I was suffering. I became a workaholic all day long, but I knew where to go to relieve that suffering. I knew it from those high school parties on weekends. I knew that alcohol would relieve it. And it did. So I began drinking. I was a workaholic by day and an alcoholic by night. And until I became essentially a workaholic and an alcoholic by day and by night. And I created a very small, isolated bubble for myself. And eventually, I got found out. I got intervened. um, And I ended up going to two outpatient programs um, and two inpatient. The last one was Beit Shuva, where my my healing and, and real recovery took hold. And I'm very grateful for that, and that's where I was able, after time, to to recover, and now I've gone back there to work there full-time as a spiritual counselor and educator.
2: Thank you um, for sharing that. And, and, you know, what you didn't say is the courage that it took to, um, quote-unquote, come out, to um, accept the intervention, to be open about your story and to help and and to be an example of healing and then to help others to also heal it's um it's really quite a journey from hiding and lying in the alcoholism and the workaholism to uncovering who you are and and your place in the world
3: yeah, well, I appreciate you mentioning that. Uh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't overnight. This was a process of years. Um, I had had stints of sobriety and had accumulated some time here and there, um, but it, all of those earlier attempts did lead to some sort of, you know, return to dishonesty and to hiding and to isolating because of the tremendous shame and the stigma of having this kind of disease, which is often misunderstood and often leads to destructive behavior and habits. And um, uh, my first time that I went to inpatient, I came back to my synagogue, and there was a real question as to whether we, the synagogue should tell people where I was. And uh, a friend of mine, Rabbi Mark Borovitz, who is the CEO and senior rabbi at Beit Shuva, was part of that conversation, and he said, absolutely, you have to come out and come clean, let people know who you are, this is who you are, this is the only way that you can recover, and you will be offering other people who suffer from the same thing, an invitation for them to come out in a place of healing. But the synagogue, there weren't so many people at the synagogue who knew, but they said, well, you know, he oversees schools, he's an educator, works for kids, Maybe it's better that people don't know. There will be a concern. And I was relieved. I was so ashamed. I was so glad at that time to not to have to tell anybody. But the problem was is that I started right back into a lie. I had to lie to people about where I was. I had to lie to people if I had to go to an AA meeting or meet with my sponsor. And little by little, I started cutting corners on my program because I needed to keep it you know, concealed. Um, and four months later, I was back out there drinking again and in the same pattern of behavior. And what Beit Shuva offered me was, although it was very shameful, <laughs> um, I, I sometimes say it was like I went through the seven realms of hell um, internally, but I began to realize that Rabbi Borovitz was right. I do have to come out. I have to come out as all of me, um, as a rabbi, as a father, as a friend, but also as an alcoholic who, who has a dark side to myself. Um, and if I don't reveal that, if I don't share it, if I don't open up with it, then it can, and if I don't have spiritual practices that help to neutralize it, then I'm going to fall back into it, and it will take hold of my mind and my life.
2: And, and, and by encouraging you and actually requiring you to hide the truth, that synagogue, I'm sure inadvertently but nevertheless, confirmed that you should be ashamed and that you should feel guilty and that you should be feel feel bad a, about who you are and and as opposed to celebrating your willingness to face yourself because we all have things within ourselves that we're not proud of we're not pleased with we're not happy about and that we'd rather hide but as we allow them to surface and for other people to see them, it dissipates the shame and the pain and allows that to fade away because truly there is nothing to be ashamed about and everything to be proud of That you are facing yourself and that you are healing and that you're willing to take that journey.
3: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think unfortunately in society, you know, we're given a message that we're supposed to be a certain way. Um, We're supposed to look a certain way. We're supposed to, um, you know, have a certain lifestyle and, um, and especially for leaders of community, I, I, I have great sympathy. I, I, I happen to work in a place where I can be imperfect and talk about my own imperfections and my cracks, um, but there are people in the world who feel, and as I did, that they have to uphold a certain level of, of, of perfection. And, um, and you know, speaking specifically of the Jewish world or the clergy or synagogue world, a lot of people feel like synagogues and maybe even churches, I'm not too sure, but those are places that have to be so sacred and uphold such an ideal that a lot of people, not just the clergy, feel as though they can't reveal themselves and their imperfections. Um, Harriet Rosetto, who's the founder of Beit Shuva, always asks families when alcoholics, addicts, gamblers um, come in as residents of the house who are Jewish— well, did you tell your rabbi about um, this problem that you've been going through? And they almost all say, no, I mean, how can I tell my rabbi? I don't want them to think a certain way about us. Um, And sadly, they're missing one of the great spiritual lessons, which is that it's through our cracks and through our imperfections and through those things that make us utterly human where the light comes in where we have our opportunities for growth, where the learning is. And we're not supposed to hide those things. We're supposed to walk through it together as families, as communities, and to learn from one another and hold each other through them.
2: Exactly, because none of us are, are perfect. We all have struggles. And it's through the recognition of that that we can become who we are meant to be and to work on those imperfections and changing ourselves, providing hope, providing pathways, providing mentorship, providing companions on the journey that we are not alone and that nobody is perfect. Nobody. No, and
3: I think it's an innate part of the human condition. The innate part of the human condition is that we come here, we arrive on this planet Earth, (laughs) and we are confronted by a world of mystery and awesomeness. And at the end of the day, we don't know the answers to some of the biggest questions. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what is the nature of God. We don't always know why do bad things, why do people suffer. And yet we walk through this life, and we have to watch ourselves walk through it. You know, we're the only species who have an information system, a nervous system that is aware of itself. And so we know we have the ability to project an image of ourselves in the future. We can see that we will eventually suffer. We will eventually die. We will go through these things. And we don't always know why. And we live in this uncertainty. And what we often do is we cling to things. We attach to things out of fear, out of anxiety, out of guilt. And those things can help to distract us, alleviate some of that innate pain and uncertainty. Um, You know, we're not gods. We can't see the future. Um, But we're given spiritual practices. We're given wisdom traditions. Um, We're given each other. Um, And we can—we don't have to endure through this uncertainty and through the pain— of what life might present to us, but we can walk through it together openly, faithfully, and joyfully. And I lived my life for a long time thinking, this is just something I have to endure and get through it. Um, and I let those fears and resentments and guilt and anxiety, you know, infiltrate my behavior as opposed to living healthy and open and honestly.
2: And I think it's often our imperfections and our challenges in life that can bring us closer to the divine, closer to a a spiritual connection with ourselves and with life. And as it did with you, really bring you back to what you wanted to do all along, and that is to be a teacher, um, and, and to help people in a way that was unique to you um, and, and what you have to offer. And so on this show, we talk a lot about silver linings and turning lemons into lemonade. And what a profound way to do it, to take your experience and use it to help others um, and in a way that allowed you to express your purpose and, and in a way that helps you feel fulfilled. So I, I'm really grateful that you're here sharing these um, your, your story with us. And we're about to go to break. And when we come back, I hope that we will talk about the treatment center that you're connected to because it's different than others and, um, and has the true potential of healing, not just of recovery. I'm your host, right. Dr. Paula, The Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. For more information on the Recovery Center that Rabbi Steinberg is associated with, please visit www.beitshuva.org. That's B as in boy, E-I-T-T-S-H-U-V-A-H.org. While you're listening to the commercials, please go to my website and sign up For my newsletter, you will receive the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process and also get advance notice about every show episode and the on-demand show sent directly to your email. Then go to the list that you created. Now on that same paper, write down what you're going to do to heal the habits or addictions or imperfections that are hurting you or others. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Be the change, the seventh wave channel on the Voice America Network.
1: You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the
2: Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you wrote down what you're going to do to heal the habits, or addictions, or, um, or or fears of of not being perfect that are hurting you or others. We're here with Rabbi Paul Steinberg sharing, and he's sharing with us his personal story and also about the wonderful treatment center that he works with. Paul, um, thank you again for being on the show. Um, off air, we were talking a, a little bit about how all of us have some darkness in us and dark thoughts. And um, some of us even go to suicidal thoughts of not feeling deserving, that we haven't met some insane idea of success Um and that we we don't measure up if we don't have all the money and, and toys and um, job titles that we think mean that we're worthy.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. And I was thinking about some of the ways we teach about this at at Beit Shuva where I work, and we talk a lot about you know accepting the darker side of ourselves, that this is a part of us, that we live with fears and anxieties, and sometimes we're not perfect. Sometimes we act out on those. And listen, I'm a rabbi, so I'll use one of the tools that I go to um, for inspiration and healing, which is the Torah. So here we are in our humanity, which is imperfect and uncertain oftentimes, and the Jewish tradition, what it does is it gives us a Torah, and what's in the Torah? The Torah is essentially a book of stories about real people. And the Torah is raw. And it's gritty. And it gives it to us in, in, in plain, down-to-earth language. The Torah tells us about the first human beings, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had one rule. They said one thing. <laughs> one thing they weren't supposed to do. And they broke that rule. They couldn't do it. And they were kicked out of the garden. The first child... Cain, he murders his brother. Imperfect people. The first Jew, the Hebrew, Abraham. Look at Abraham's story. Here's a person who is totally imperfect. He, you know, and some people don't like for me to talk about the patriarchs in this way, but Abraham essentially sells out his wife twice to local kings. And one child he tries to kill, and another one he kicks out. Jacob, a thief and a liar, Uh, who also, by the way, is not such a great father. Even Moses, Moses was a murderer who fled as a fugitive into the desert. And Moses, by the way, also had suicidal thoughts. He asked God to kill him. The prophet Elijah asked God to kill him. Prophet Jonah had suicidal thoughts, wanted to die. Mm. And so you look at these stories and you say, okay, these are real people dealing with real things. But the message is, the message is despite those things, despite those pains, that suffering, despite those behaviors, redemption is possible. It is, the the, the Israelites came from slavery to being redeemed, to being freed. We have the possibility of teshuva, which means return, means returning to our core, returning to our true self, our spirit, a divine self. We are holy beings. We have the divine spark within us. We were created in the image of God, and we always have the opportunity to be able to come back and to become whole. But we have to accept those sides of ourselves, and we have to know that we're not alone, but that everybody, no matter what, experiences some kind of heartbreak. But the heart doesn't need to break into a million pieces and shattered and shrapnel. It can break open to more capacity. It's more power. It's more love. It's more compassion, and um, and if there's one spiritual message, I think that's what it is, as we see in these stories in the Torah.
2: How beautiful it was! Just, I, I, I'm not sure what to say. That was just so beautifully expressed. That yes, the stories in the Bible, in our Torah, or what some people call the Old Testament, are are about real people, and they were imperfect. And they're also teaching stories that we can be imperfect and that we don't have to hide behind a lie of perfection.
3: Absolutely. You, and, you know, one other teaching maxim that we commonly teach at our treatment center is, it, it, it says in Jewish teaching, but I've seen it in other faith traditions, Somebody who makes this, what I refer to as tshuva, this return, somebody who has fallen off the path and, and found a way to get back on it, is deemed higher in the eyes of God than somebody who makes no mistakes and is just simply righteous his whole life.
2: Mm. And and that all of us are of God or of the divine are a peace Of the divine, and so all of us are worthy. We are all um, created in the image of God. We all have something inside of us that is worth saving and worth bringing to the surface instead of hiding that beautiful jewel under a false mask under um, uh, being and doing who and what we think is acceptable as opposed to the truth of who we are.
3: Right. I'm I'm reminded of that, uh, Marianne Williamson poem about how we, what we fear the most is our, is our power, is our inner light. Um,
2: and, Right. Exactly. I agree. It's not our darkness. It's our light that we are afraid of. And I was wondering if you could just talk um, a little bit about some of the things that make your treatment center different, that it's nonprofit, that um, it's not just a month, that you don't have to have insurance, that it encompasses helping people find who they truly are, find that return to the authentic self. Um, talk to us a little bit about that because I'm so impressed and that you don't have to be Jewish.
3: Right. Okay. So, yes, so Beit um is a nonprofit. We have um, about an $11 million budget and we have to fundraise, you know, over half of that every year because, as you said, We don't function on the sort of 28-day cycle that is so common with insurance companies for covering addiction treatment. Um, We see 28 days or 30 days as the beginning, (laughs) That's the beginning of recovery, Um, certainly not the end. And there are people who live in the house for months and even sometimes over a year um, because we're talking about a very insidious and subtle and challenging disease that encompasses holistically our entire lives, our bodies, our brains, our minds, and our souls. And um, one of the things that I think makes Beit Shuva so unique is that it's not merely an addiction treatment center. It's a community. It's a synagogue community. There are, there are Friday night and Saturday morning services. We have an extended community of alumni and families. We have family programming every week. Um, And we hold each other accountable and we walk through it together. Um, And I don't believe that anybody can recover from this spiritual malady or any spiritual malady alone. We have to be held within community, to be given opportunities of service, to be responsible for another, and to have ourselves reflected back to us so that we can learn ourselves together. Um, We provide um, all sorts of different kinds of programming for, to help people rediscover their passion and purpose. We have an arts program. We have an amazing music program. Uh, We do surf therapy, (laughs) which uh, (laughs) which in Los Angeles, uh, you know, we're lucky to be able to do. Um, But it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's not so exotic. It's, we go to the beach and, and we set intentions and meditate and, and people get out in the water and try surfing. They step out of their comfort zone. Um, we have yoga and all sorts of and meditation um, and boxing and a gym. We really try to um, allow people to heal their whole selves, body, mind, and soul, and um And like I said, we do it together. And and it is infused with the spiritual tradition of Judaism. That's true. But a lot of our residents are not Jewish. Um, And those people also rediscover their own faith tradition, or some of them get turned on to Judaism. And we align the Jewish principles with the spiritual principles of the 12-step programs. Um, And I think that any wise faith tradition shares those same basic spiritual principles, which, is, which are to dedicate yourself to some kind of learning, some kind of text, some kind of tradition, wisdom tradition, um, some kind of prayer, meditative life, some kind of life of, of doing a moral inventory where we are self-reflective. Um, we do that together as a community. Um, at Beit we share our moral inventories out loud Um, in community. Um, That's not just the mistakes, but it's also where we hit the mark and where we did well. And also some kind of practice of service um, where we contribute. Um, And when residents get to a certain stage in their recovery in the house, we also provide work therapy, internships and externships. Um, And they get to go through all these things in a safe place.
2: And I'm sorry, I hate to do this, but I have to um, end this here. But that's a beautiful note to end on in a safe place. Um, I love the comprehensiveness of what you do and that people can be there as long as they need, not just as long as the insurance will pay for it. Thank you so much for your humanity and for the beautiful work that you do and for sharing yourself with us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day, Paul. And now I'd like to thank my listeners for joining us for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please like us on Facebook by going to my website, paulajoyce.com. While you're there, sign up for my newsletter and get the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving problem solving Prop process from my best-selling book and browse my resources, um, purchase my guest books and my own, and look at my services, including coaching, speaking, energy healing, past life aggressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops, such as Overcoming Abuse Through Self-Empowerment, 21 Steps for Healing the Body. Energetic healing and the ultimate creative problem solving process. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person, over the phone, or on Skype. When you work with me, you get support, guidance, and healing from the spiritual realm. Literally thousands of angels and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and also directly with my clients. While you're on my website, go to register now and register for my new workshops, Om Awakening and Finding the Silver Lining. Then go to the calendar of events and press click here to send me an email about your commitment to heal yourself. Next Thursday, please join us when Psychic Dwan Washington will join us to talk about his new prophecies that will impact all of us. In the meantime, if you have a difficulty in your own life or an inspirational story, please leave a phone message at 214-736-4460. Or send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. This is Dr. Pauly, your CM or chosen mom, as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week.